pictures pleased them in one of these stories in the very words of the scene from which it is taken and it is hoped they will find that the beautiful extracts the select passages they may choose to give their sisters in this way will be much better relished and understood from their having some notion of the general story from one of these imperfect abridgments which if they be fortunately so done as to prove delight to any of the young readers it is hoped that no worse effect will result than to make them wish themselves a little older, that they may be allowed to read the plays at full length. Such a wish will be neither peevish nor irrational. When time and leave of judicious friends shall put them into their hands, they will discover in such of them as are here abridged, not to mention almost as many more which are left untouched, many surprising events and turns of fortune, which for their infinite variety could not be contained in this little book, besides a world of sprightly and cheerful characters, both men and women, the humour of which it was feared would be lost if it were attempted to reduce the length of them. What these tales shall have been to the young readers, that and much more it is the writer's wish that the true plays of Shakespeare may prove to them in older years, enrichers of the fancy, strengtheners of virtue, a withdrawing from all selfish and mercenary thoughts, a lesson of all sweet and honourable thoughts and actions, to teach courtesy, benignity, generosity, humanity, for of examples teaching these virtues his pages are full. Romeo and Juliet The two chief families in Verona were the rich Capulets and the Montagues, there had been an old quarrel between these families, which was grown to such a height, and so deadly was the enmity between them, that it extended to the remotest kindred, to the followers and retainers of both sides, insomuch that a servant of the house of Montague could not meet a servant of the house of Capulet, nor a Capulet encounter with a Montague by chance, but fierce words and sometimes bloodshed ensued and frequent were the brawls from such accidental meetings which disturbed the happy quiet of Verona's streets. Old Lord Capulet made a great supper, to which many fair ladies and many noble guests were invited. All the admired beauties of Verona were present, and all comers were made welcome if they were not of the house of Montague. At this feast of Capulet's, Rosaline, beloved of Romeo, son to the old Lord Montague, was present. And though it was dangerous for a Montague to be seen in this assembly, yet Benvolio, a friend of Romeo, persuaded the young lord to go to this assembly in the disguise of a mask, that he might see his Rosaline, and, seeing her, compare her with some choice beauties of Verona, who, he said, would make him think his swan a crow. Romeo had small faith in Benvolio's words. Nevertheless, for the love of Rosaline, he was persuaded to go. For Romeo was a sincere and passionate lover, and one that lost his sleep for love, and fled society to be alone, thinking on Rosaline, who disdained him, and never requited his love with the least show of courtesy or affection. And Benvolio wished to cure his friend of this love by showing him diversity of ladies and company. To this feast of Capulets, then, young Romeo, with Benvolio and their friend Mercutio, went masked. Old Capulet bid them welcome, and told them that ladies who had their toes unplagued with corns would dance with them. 
and the old man was light-hearted and merry, and said that he had worn a mask when he was young, and could have told a whispering tale in a fair lady's ear. And they fell to dancing, and Romeo was suddenly struck with the exceeding beauty of a lady who danced there, who seemed to him to teach the torches to burn bright, and her beauty to show by night like a rich jewel worn by a blackamoor. Beauty too rich for use, too dear for earth, like a snowy dove trooping with crows, he said, so richly did her beauty and perfections shine above the ladies, her companions. While he uttered these praises, he was overheard by Tybalt, a nephew of Lord Capulet, who knew him by his voice to be Romeo. And this Tybalt, being of a fiery and passionate temper, could not endure that a Montague should come under cover of a mask to fleer and scorn, as he said, at their solemnities. And he stormed and raged exceedingly, and would have struck young Romeo dead. But his uncle, the old Lord Capulet, would not suffer him to do any injury at that time, both out of respect to his guests, and because Romeo had borne himself like a gentleman, and all tongues in Verona bragged of him to be a virtuous and well-governed youth. Tybalt, forced to be patient against his will, restrained himself, but swore that this vile Montague should at another time dearly pay for his intrusion. The dancing being done, Romeo watched the place where the lady stood, and under favour of his masking habit, which might seem to excuse in part the liberty, he presumed in the gentlest manner to take her by the hand, calling it a shrine, which, if he profaned by touching it, he was a blushing pilgrim and would kiss it for atonement. "'Good pilgrim,' answered the lady, "'your devotion shows by far too mannerly and too courtly. Saints have hands which pilgrims may touch, but kiss not.' Have not saints' lips, and pilgrims too, said Romeo. Aye, said the lady, lips which they must use in prayer. Oh, then, my dear saint, said Romeo, hear my prayer and grant it, lest I despair. In such like allusions and loving conceits they were engaged when the lady was called away to her mother. And Romeo, inquiring who her mother was, discovered that the lady whose peerless beauty he was so much struck with was young Juliet, daughter and heir to the Lord Capulet, the great enemy of the Montagues, and that he had unknowingly engaged his heart to his foe. This troubled him, but it could not dissuade him from loving. As little rest had Juliet when she found that the gentle man that she had been talking with was Romeo and a Montague, for she had been suddenly smit with the same hasty and inconsiderate passion for Romeo which he had conceived for her. And a prodigious birth of love, it seemed to her, that she must love her enemy, and that her affection should settle there, where family considerations should induce her chiefly to hate. It being midnight, Romeo with his companions departed, but they soon missed him, for, unable to stay away from the house where he had left his heart, he leaped the wall of an orchard which was at the back of Juliet's house. Here he had not been long, ruminating on his new love, when Juliet appeared above at a window, through which her exceeding beauty seemed to break like the light of the sun in the east. And the moon, which shone in the orchard with a faint light, 
appeared to Romeo as if sick and pale with grief at the superior luster of this new sun. And she, leaning her cheek upon her hand, he passionately wished himself a glove upon that hand that he might touch her cheek. She, all this while thinking herself alone, fetched a deep sigh and exclaimed, Ah, me! Romeo, enraptured to hear her speak, said softly and unheard by her, Oh, speak again, bright angel, for such you appear, being over my head, like a winged messenger from heaven, whom mortals fall back to gaze upon. She, unconscious of being overheard, and full of the new passion which that night's adventure had given birth to, called upon her lover by name, whom she supposed absent. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, said she, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father, and refuse thy name, for my sake, or if thou wilt not, be but my sworn love, and I no longer will be a Capulet. Romeo, hearing this encouragement, would fain have spoken, but he was desirous of hearing more. And the lady continued her passionate discourse with herself, as she thought, still chiding Romeo for being Romeo and a Montague, and wishing him some other name, or that he would put away that hated name, and for that name, which was no part of himself, he should take all herself. At this loving word, Romeo could no longer refrain, but, taking up the dialogue as if her words had been addressed to him personally and not merely in fancy, he bade her call him love, or by whatever other name she pleased, for he was no longer Romeo if that name was displeasing to her. Juliet, alarmed to hear a man's voice in the garden, did not at first know who it was that by favour of the night and darkness...